They shot an elk in Alberta, and uh, as they were getting ready to gut the elk and take it out, they got surrounded by wolves. What? Yeah. They'd shot an elk in the wolf's territory, like real close to the wolf's den. Damn. So they were like, that's ours? They were surrounded by wolves, and the wolves made a run at them. So they shot one of the wolves, and then another wolf made a run at them. And they shot another wolf, and then another wolf made a run at them. They shot a third wolf. They had their back to the tree, and they had wolves surrounding them howling. And we can skin a buck, we can run a trot line, and a country boy can survive. a good friend in New York City. He never called me by my name, just Hillbilly. Take eight. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Ari Shavir's Skeptic Tank. Can I get this right this time? <sighs> by the way, the, the fire alarm might go off. I'm, I'm, I'm sauteing onions. To have on some wild salmon. Oh, this is going to be full circle as fuck, you guys. Oh, yeah. I'm sauteing um, onions. So I'm gonna ha- I've treated myself. I did a special. I treat myself after I do things like that. So I did a special, and what I bought as a reward for myself, some wild salmon from Whole Foods. I got some wild salmon. Instead of fucking farm-raised, I got some wild-caught salmon, and I bought a fleece from REI. And then back to work, idiot. Um, on today's episode... I, okay, well, let me just tell you this. I think I made a major breakthrough, you guys, in, in, in uh, procrastination and an organization in general. Everybody procrastinates, right? You have a task at hand. You got to do it, but something else comes up. Like, uh, well, got to finish uh, Westworld or everybody's going to talk about it and spoil it for you. Sure. So get that out of the way. Then what do you got? Ready to do this task. The task, let's say, is this podcast because that's exactly what I'm talking about. Um, but then you don't do that either because guess what? Uh, Walking Dead... It just finished, uh, you know, their first half of the season, so catch up on that. Okay, now, ready for the podcast? No, not quite. Are you caught up in South Park? Let's catch up. And then you're still not caught up, then you catch up on South Park, and then you're still not ready to do the, the uh, well, now you've got everything out of the way. Now you can do the podcast. Um, but instead, uh, you watch uh, Peep Show. Have you guys seen Peep Show, by the way? Oh, You should. It's a British show. Apparently, it's been out for like 10 years. Everything shot in first person. So, like, you see everything through, like, there's no, like, you see everything through the eyes of, literally through the eyes of another character. Not the same character, just different ones, but that's what they should, but that's just a little gimmick. The main thing is, it's hilarious, and it's about the same, like, sensibilities as It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Um, but it's British. Two roommates. Oh, if you guys are about to watch it. I'm jealous. It's on Netflix. Um, my British friend told me about it, and she was right. Uh, anyway, so then you start doing that, and you realize, oh, I'm not catching up on anything. That show's been over for fucking five years. I'm just procrastinating. So here's what you do. You find another more important task, like, it might not just be one. You might need to get a couple. Like, you got to listen to the sound edits for this Not Happening Stories for YouTube. Or, slash and, Got to come up with a title for your special so the artists can fucking use it to get to work so we can do this shit before the new year. Well, 
That's tough. I kind of don't want to do that. I'd like to procrastinate. Is there anything I can do besides that? Yes, I can do the podcast. So you procrastinate the bigger task. No, no, wait. Here's what you do. So you find your thing. Then you get yourself a bigger task, procrastinate that bigger task with the, with the now smaller task. Do you get it? Does it make sense? I think I just solved all your problems. On today's episode, my friend Joe Rogan is on, you guys. He's going to talk about hunting. Joe's a hunter. Uh, you might know him as a mixed martial arts commentator or an amazing comedian. By the way, his new special. You guys, it's great. It's great. But here, here's why it's even more interesting. Because I, I don't see... I, I'm, a, I'm a student of stand-up comedy. I'm a student of the trends of stand-up comedy. And what I see is generally people... Uh, have a peak that lasts between six and ten years and it goes from about year eight to about year let's say 18 let's say in that range uh and then not further and usually it's not even 10 years 10 years is uh is really high usually it's five four years people put out one special sam kitterson put out one great special that was that was his peak and then he coasted off that and then what happens is they start getting used to their fame if they get big enough. If they don't get big enough, then they just fade away. They, or their wife or their, their baby mama wants them to get a job to feed their kid, and they never really achieve a higher level than that. But uh, if you're successful, you get money. And with money comes fucking lack of work ethic. And so they just sort of like... Also, it comes with like uh, finding your own fans. So you're only playing to your own fans. And then it's just hard to really work super hard because you're getting laughs off your fans. So, I, and I'm telling you, I don't lie about this stuff. His, his new special, it's called Triggered. It's on Netflix. Same company that's showing Peep Show. Um, it's his best special. So, you take a guy who's 20, I forget what it is, 27, let's say. Between 27 and 30 years into stand-up comedy. Putting out his best special. It's it's kind of unheard of. I mean, that should have been done at year 15, 16, 17, something like that. To, to then, and with, with all the success he's had off the podcast too, it's like, it's just, it's just a, it's a feat that I don't think people kind of appreciate when you could put out that good a special that late in your, in your creative career. There was this dude, I should know his name. He went to two final tables in a row at the World Series of Poker. Some old dude. Fuck, I forget his name. But they were calling that bigger than winning the World Series of Poker. To make it to the final table two years in a row with the giant fields they had. Um, old dude, I forget his name. Ooh, these sauteed onions are looking good. Um, anyway, it, it was amazing. Check it out. Do me a favor. Do yourself a favor. Good. You already have Netflix. Watch Triggered. God, it was good. Um, so anyway, so he came in to talk about hunting. He's been hunting for a while. I don't really have hunting experience. I have fishing experience. I have fishing experience, and so does Joe. We talked about that a little bit. Boom, full circle, wild salmon, which I've caught with Joe. Double full circle. <gasps> um, yeah, he's been hunting, and so we decided to talk about it. So the only experience I really have with hunting... Um, is and I don't want to downplay this because it's it's important. Uh, Big Buck Hunter, the arcade game. Uh, do I dominate? No, I do not. 
Uh, I've got a lot of room left to, left to grow, for sure. For sure, as a big buck hunter. But I'm telling you this, dude. It's the best uh, bargain in arcade games. As a Jew, I don't want to stereotype, but we know bargains. And it's the best one. You go full game, two players, maybe four if you can. Um, I don't think they have four, actually. Two players, all quarters in. You will be playing for about 35 minutes. It's a long game, and it doesn't cost that much, and it's fun as shit. All right, should we just start the episode? Let's start. Let's start. I got nothing else to say. Um, Yeah, let's start. By the way, this episode is available as all my episodes. Uh, You can get the music on AriTheGreat.com or AriShafir.com, whatever you want. You can see my tour dates, of which there are currently none. Thank you very much. Job finished. Year off the road begins. Um, uh, what was I just like? Oh, yeah. So you can see tour dates. You can also see all the music that's played. And also this episode and all episodes are available on Laughable. If you guys haven't got the Laughable app, uh, it's a great app. It, it, the, the iPhone podcast app is garbage. Same as the iPhone Maps. You can't use the iPhone Maps, you guys. If you're using iPhone Maps, if, if I see you getting directions, and I don't know, I don't have a smartphone, obviously, but if I look over and you're like, well, why is it taking so long? And I see you have iPhone Maps open, I'm like, get Google Maps, you fucking idiot. Get Waze or Google Maps. Well, I don't, it's the same. It's not the same. It takes you to the wrong place. <sighs> anyway. Now, what was I saying? Now I lost my fucking place, you assholes. Oh, Laughable. Uh, okay, so here's what they have. First of all, um, they have whoever's on this podcast, like Joe will be on this podcast. At the bottom, you'll be able to click on the guests, Joe Rogan, and see other, see his own podcast. And on top of that, then you'll see other podcasts if you want to follow him that he's been on. So if you want to follow me, you can go to Laughable app and see the other podcast episodes of whatever podcast I've been on. So if, you know, there's an episode, let's just say it happens where I miss a week. Let's just say, sorry if it does. Um, you can go to that, see other episodes I'm on if you can't get your fix of Ari. Or if you just like my guests, well then, I don't know what to tell you. Oh, no, that's, that's what I'll tell you. You go to there, you see what their own podcasts are, you follow them to other podcasts. Now, you're cooking. Anyway, get the Laughable app. It's only available for iPhone right now. Uh, I, I think they're working on um, whatever it's called. Android. I started talking to the people, too, uh, who make it. Um, anyway, it's a really good app. So, ladies and gentlemen, let's start the episode. Ladies, Ari Shafir Skeptic Tank, episode 27287. Big Buck Hunter with Joe Rogan. Starts now. Proper gentleman. <laughs> Proper gentleman, shit. 
How are you? Good, brother. What's going on? Yeah. yeah. Uh, nothing. That was a cool set. Just trying. I haven't been here in a while. Me neither. I just started coming back. Yeah. Yesterday was my first time in a long time. Really? A long time. Seating changed. Um, did it? Yeah, they have those couches in the back now. Oh, yeah. Those probably aren't the best idea. <laughs> yeah. The you light's shouldn't... cool, though. Yeah. The fucking neon thing or whatever that is. I've never seen that before. You know what the problem with couches is? What? They're coveted. Oh, yeah. It's people want them. They're better. Yeah. You shouldn't have coveted seats. Yeah. It should be like the comedy comedy works in Denver. You know? Everything's the same. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so, the booths so at the store we used to sell because they were coveted. Yeah, it's coveted. Those are coveted spots. Oh, why can't can I can I just be there? I want to be in that spot right there. <laughs> yeah, that looks better. Put a velvet rope around an outhouse, and people can't wait to go and shit in there. <laughs> Dude, we used to see the OR, and people were always like, "Well, I want to sit on the outsides." I'm like, if all of you sit out there, you none of you are going to be even close to the comedian. You're all going to be in the outskirts of the show. There's going to be no one. You have to sit in the middle. They they hated it. <sighs> Yeah, a lot of times you'll go to the main room late yeah. at night, and there'll be people sitting in all the stalls and sitting in the back stalls, like on the way back <laughs> to the bathroom, and no one in the front. And you're like, this is crazy. Hey guys, you can get closer to the thing you're watching. I get it if you're comics and you just want to sit back yeah, there and yeah. watch. But there's a lot of the audience members like, oh, the booth's open. And they back up and they get in the They booth. get into it. Yeah, it's finally their chance. This. Like a bear that found a new, <laughs> an old bear den. And they just oh, cuddle in. Yeah, I got a new den right here. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the store is the most magical place on earth. I'm so glad I'm back. Yeah, how long? How long? Dude, it was seven years. Seven years. I came back because uh, of a couple things. But uh, the big one that I knew I had to come back, because I had to be there for your special. Thank you. I had to. Thank you. It was just, you were doing your special at the store in the OR, and, and knowing you from the time when you worked there. You yeah. doing a Comedy Central special that was a triumphant achievement. Yeah. So I was like, I have to come back. Yeah. I had to be back for that. So I came the day before that and I went to Roast Battle and I got so energized. I was it's like, fun, holy huh? shit. It was amazing. Yeah. It was amazing. It was so alive. Like, Roast Battle was so alive. Roast Battle was crazy. I saw a good one. The wave went against these triplet comics. These open mic or triplet comics, and everyone they were like, "Well, we did Kill Tony a few times," and Kill Tony's like, "You did it once," and then we all started like, um, uh, "Triplets, would you say Tony's a mentor of yours?" And he was like, "No, shut up! I don't know them." He kept trying to deny it. That's hilarious. Yeah, and then Jeff was like, "Dude, you guys are going to get destroyed by the wave." <laughs> the wave's so comfortable. Yeah, but they won. They it for so long. These guys they won. Beat the wave. Yeah, they oh. came out out of the gates. Oh my god, that's amazing. Yeah, it was a colossal upset. Wow, the wave is so comfortable. Oh, so their ad-libbing skills are just top-notch. Yeah. Wow, they must be good then. No, See, that's, no I think they just good. landed it that day. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. Well, hey, man, you know, people have their moments. Yeah. That's one of the cool things about these up-and-coming guys is that they create something like Roast Battle, which didn't exist in our era. Yeah, no way. It was nothing like that. A couple created, games, right? Yeah. But just like an occasional like comedy game. Yeah, I mean, comics would fuck with each other to like, joke it around, yeah. but no one ever like roasted each other like that yeah. battle. Like a that was a genius idea. Yeah, it's pretty fun. Oh, <laughs> it's pretty fun. It's so fun to go and watch. Yeah, it's, it's so fun, and some people are so good at it. Like Earl Skakel yeah. is a goddamn master at it. Did you, you know see? that started as a, as an impression of Tommy? And then just grew into the yeah yeah that's amazing because Tommy was never there on Tuesdays oh I got it (laughs) (laughs) yeah so he's just straight like uh, 
he's just doing that and then Tommy always had the racist claim around him oh, right. so he would do that racist version right. of that oh my god that's right and then Tommy left and people like a year or two passed people were like I don't know who you're doing an impression of new people came they're like who oh, is that but it's so confident yeah did you see his roast battle on Comedy Central when he came out with no shirt on and he had like the I was leather there. jacket on that's right you were there for yeah, that yeah I was one. in Montreal yeah. for that one no 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 the one that was in in, in LA oh did no you see him said oh my god Dude, he uh, okay. That's right. I was being filmed. I was one of the judges that night. Oh, know? really? Yeah. Oh, okay. It was me and uh, I think Dane and I want to say Jimmy Kimmel. I think Jimmy Kimmel okay. was there too. I know he was definitely next to me. And Earl Skakel came out of <laughs> that fucking place on fire. He knows about wrestling. He was so devastating. He had no shirt on. He had like a fur coat on. He had chains on and this crazy hat. And he had just like this entrance. And he came in guns blazing. And he hit every note. And he was so comfortable up there. Yeah. And it was something about like maybe even being in that character that made him like completely fearless on stage. Because he was like kind of in that crazy Oh yeah. He's done a few of them now. Dude. He's a beast. But it, that so that that made me come back too. He beat Jimmy Carr, who's like the the, oh God, the reigning really? champion in Montreal this year. Oh my God! He, he did the Eddie Bravo Carr? thing where he beat the big big guy and then lost in the next round. Wow, that's yeah. amazing. No one thought he could do it. He came out of the gate swinging. He came out because Jimmy Carvey's off a clipboard, right? Uh. And so Earl Skagel came out after Jimmy did with a clipboard of his own, and he just goes. I don't need this. Do you? And he threw it <laughs> into the crowd. <laughs> and he threw the gauntlet down. And Kimmel like, wouldn't let him get over it. He goes, yeah, why'd you Whoa. keep reading your shit, man? Wow. He called him out. Yeah. I, I've never seen Jimmy Carr. I want to meet him, though. He's cool. Cliff speaks really highly of him. Yeah, he's a nice guy. I want to meet him. I hear he's really funny, too. Oh, yeah, for sure that, too. Yeah. It's, it's a good time, dude. There's a lot of fucking funny people out there. Uh-huh. This is probably the best time ever, right? For comedians? I don't know. We're all just in touch with each other. Yeah, but I think like there's alternative guys are getting through and pump and when I say alternative, I don't mean like alt rooms. Yeah. I mean like guys alternative to what you could play on television, like you oh, yeah. or like Diaz are are getting through. Yeah, the system. Yeah. Getting yeah. through the system, like and turning out to be some of the funniest guys. Like but getting through the system. On your, on your own merit now It's like a totally different thing Like guys like you and Diaz Might have had a hard time Getting on TV Because no sitcoms or anything Yeah man yeah, There's no yeah, fucking yeah. sitcoms anymore And if, there, if you didn't have the opportunity To put your stuff out online Like man This was You know like if you had to go back to the 90s The way guys would make it Is you'd get on TV There was no other way around it If you were super lucky You'd do a Roddy Gang special something. And then you could be dirty yeah, then you and that, that was the only way you could be dirty. Yeah, no one else knew. Yeah, they had to know you were dirty. <laughs> not yeah, now. Not now. Yeah, I mean, how did they know you were dirty? They had to either have seen you before, or they had to know. Oh my God, this is the guy I saw on that show on the HBO. We had to bill me as dirty in Canada because they were like, "He's too dirty. They won't like it." And they so Justin came up with an idea to bill me as the dirtiest comic of all time in Canada or something like that. I'm like, "I'm not that dirty." He goes, "I know, but we just say that, right. <laughs> and then they don't care." Yeah, the dirtiest so comic dumb. that ever entered Canada. Something like that. Barely clean enough to enter the country. <laughs> they wouldn't let him. It was just below extortion. Yeah. Just above. <laughs> <laughs> Thinking about not letting you in. Well. I don't know. That's just pretty guy. dirty. Pretty <laughs> fucking disgusting. What's your opener? Tell me your, <laughs> come into this room and tell me your opener. Is there a way you could switch these words? <laughs> We're having a problem with these words. Yeah. yeah, I'm done now. All my work is finished now for a while. For how long now? I just recorded another special. 
That's so nice, shit. man. I love that you're doing that. Put yeah. some, we got to put some pressure on Duncan Trussell. He said he wants to do one. I know. We got to put some pressure on him to actually we do one. Make it actually happen. Yeah. Yeah. He's too funny to not have uh, something out there. He should have some sort of a. Special. He was a little worried. He's like, well, "What if people don't see it?" Like, then whatever. Then just move on and do new material. What if they don't see it? Yeah, they're like they'll see it eventually. Well, how would they not see it if you make it available? All you have to do is, if he would, but that shouldn't be what's holding you back from but doing it. You can always it. put it on YouTube. Yeah, exactly. That's yeah. what I said. You, you can just put it on YouTube if you have to. Yeah, if it's if it's about people seeing it, for sure they're going to see it on YouTube, especially because yeah. it's going to be good. Yeah, I don't think people realize how funny Duncan is. Yeah, for sure. It's just he's he's great on his podcast, and I think he likes the the freedom that a podcast gives you because you know he's he's a pretty eclectic guy when it comes to like his interests and what are you talking about Duncan yeah all we do is watch college football together (laughs) yeah he's very weird he's he's pretty weird (laughs) yeah I was laughing the other day about Bobby when Duncan confiscated all his pills and Bobby's like what are you gonna do with them when he was still using right and Duncan's like I'm gonna do them all (laughs) he's like no why do you get to them because I don't have a problem yeah I'm I'm not gonna throw them away I'm gonna give me all of them yeah isn't that funny that that's logical <laughs> yeah it's like you don't have the problem but you hear that and you're like oh yeah well if you don't have a problem like he kind of barely has a problem yeah right <laughs> it's like yeah once in a while it gets yeah. in the way but not all the time yeah he loves them though he's like, man get him a fuck away from me i love these pills <laughs> that and, and warcraft let me ask you about this stuff okay Do you mind yeah no, i want to talk to you about hunting a little bit okay because you've been doing it how long have you been doing it now four years four years almost exactly Really? Yeah. Remember your first hunt? Yeah, for sure. What? Hold on. I'll ask you that in a second, though. <laughs> but how long were you thinking about getting in? Like, what got you in? Um, I was try. Well, in in trying to pay the most attention to all the shit I do, and am I doing things the right way? Like in my what life. Did, yeah. One thing that kept coming up was all these goddamn videos that you see online about like factory farming. And these slaughterhouses and these chicken coops where chickens are stacked on top of each other. And oh, I started yeah. thinking, man, maybe I should seriously consider uh, being either a vegetarian or a vegan. Like, maybe I should seriously consider removing myself from really? this. Really? Yeah. Because I was like, this is just... Oh, like, you watch those videos. Yeah, man. They're real. Oh, yeah. Even if you don't watch those videos, even if like you're dealing with the best humane factory farm setup that's available today, it's still hell. Yeah. There's no good one. They're hell. They're stacked in. They have very little room. And yeah, the free-range chickens is not free-range. Free-range no. organic is just like they just just not like stacked on top of each other. But there's yeah. no room to move either. They don't. They're they're in a big pen and they all run around together. It's like it's chaos. How do you, what's the one where you get the orange yolks? Because they have to be eating. Look, they're not herbivores. Yeah, they're omnivores. Chickens eat meat. But they only feed them grains and stuff. When oh, you get really? Them. Yeah. What, they, what do they eat? What do you weak. mean? When you, I fed a chicken a fucking mouse, man. Oh, I've really? seen chickens eat They mice. eat sick chickens, too. Oh, yeah. They'll peck at sick They'll chickens. They, they, they pecked at my daughter. What? And, and my wife was like, oh, it's just it thought her, that she was uh, uh, it thought that she was a worm or something like that. I go, no, no, Your no. daughter's too big I go, that fucking thing was seeing if it could eat her. That's what it was doing. Rita, we're doing a podcast. We'd love to talk uh, to you, Rita. but we're in the middle of a podcast. Thank you very much. <laughs> She's back there. It's hilarious. Hi, Rita. She's making gestures and shit. I was like... Um, I'd love to talk to you. 
Yeah. Um, so they pecked at her, or they do the thing where they peck super hard, but landed exactly where they were barely to touch you. you. They're fucking trying to eat you. Yeah. I really believe that. I think their brains are super small, and I think if they got a chunk out of her and it tasted great, they, they would, would keep going. Try pecking at her if I didn't do anything about it. <laughs> I guarantee you, the dude. I'm telling you, man. I dropped a mouse in their cage. A dead mouse? Yeah. No, it was still alive. It was, a, it was called a pinky. Here's the story. It'll show you the hierarchy of nature because it's kind of a crazy story. We put up a glass fence in the back of my house, yeah. and hawks haven't figured it out yet. And so, so far, three of them have swooped down and fucking headbutted that glass fence. Hawks? And get KO'd. Like, blood comes out of the nose, <laughs> like the laid of the yard, fucked up. What? Yeah. And, um, my daughters found one. They found one. Found that, a hawk? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've had three of them that have been KO'd in, our, in our yard. One of them flew away. One of them, he got back on his own, and he was, like, fucking completely disoriented and, and wiggling and wobbling. Damn. And eventually, he flew off. We have video of him, like we're we're talking to him, just standing in front of him. And he he's no more than fifteen feet away, and he's just looking at you like dazed because he just got KO'd. A hawk? Yep, just flew full blast into a fucking glass fence. Bang! Has no idea what happened, and he's just lying on his back. And now he's looking at all these people, and he's trying to figure out: Did you guys do this to me? Like, what the fuck happened? <laughs> he really has no idea. And so this one. Uh, it had fucked up its wing, and we were going to have to take it to um, one of these uh, wildlife sanctuaries that takes care of like wounded wildlife, like uh, if it's like a hawk or an owl or something like that. So uh, what we did was they told us that they couldn't take it until like it was like 24 hours before they could take it. Yeah. So we had to keep it alive. So you had to give it pinkies, and you buy these from uh, pet stores. What they are is basically baby mice that yeah. have literally just been born. And this is what they feed a lot to snakes and things along those lines. So these tiny little... Oh, really? Yeah, they can't... Uh, I see those on the streets in New York sometimes. Ooh, really? Like the hairless ones. They can't see yet. And they, they're, they're not like... If they get away from their mother for too long, like they, they're not... They're dead. They can't eat. Right. Like you'd have to bottle feed them. Oh. Right? So they feed <laughs> a they bunch s- of them to this hawk. But one of them, the hawk doesn't eat. So when they... He was just full because he'd eaten enough. He just saved that one for later. And so when they dropped the hawk off at the wildlife sanctuary place, they still had this pinky. And so my daughter's like, I want to raise it. I want it to be a pet. I go, sweetie, it's not going to live. I go, it's not getting any milk. And we don't, we don't have milk for it. And I go, you were feeding them to the hawk, and now you want them as a pet? <laughs> and, and she goes, I want to keep it. I go, sweetie, it's going to die. I go, let me just bring it back to the pet store. If we bring it back to the pet store, maybe it has a chance of living, because then the mother will, will eat it. Or the mother will uh, rather oh, let, it raise feed, it. Yeah. let it feed off the milk, because it does the same mom. And just the whole thing was like so crazy. I was like, well, you were just feeding How old's your daughter? <laughs> this one, she's seven. Um, so, so she was three? At the time, she's seven. Oh. So this, this happened a year ago. So I... When the the, um, the 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 decision was made that I was just going to feed it to the chickens, I was like, "Look, we let's might just as well do just, this." Yeah, yeah, have some I'm, fun I'm, with it. Just the chickens will eat it. I saw them eat a mouse before. I saw them attack a mouse before that got into their cage and they fucked this mouse up and ate it. So I knew what was going to happen. Oh, and I put that should have been your first option before even What's giving that? it back to the pet store, feeding it to live chickens. Probably should have been. It probably should have been oh. because. Like they're gonna, it's gonna die most likely anyway. Yeah, and so the chickens are gonna eat it, and it's good for them. What did it look like, dude? It was a slaughter fest. Wow. So that that mouse was on the ground for literally maybe I'm not exaggerating a half of a second. <laughs> I'm not exaggerating at all. The chicken just moved on it and grabbed it, and then had to run with it because all the other chickens were trying to peck it out of its mouth. Oh, dude! 
What? Dude. And so we feed him grains and that's what fucks him up? Yeah, we feed him grains. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. In Scotland, I got those real orange yolky eggs. Yeah, those are like those real are herbivores. Outdoor, yeah. Or uh, rather, omnivores. That's what it is? Yeah, they're eating bugs and worms and stuff. Like, if you uh, walk with my chickens and you pick up rocks, like if you lift up rocks, yeah. some of them, the smarter ones, will go towards that rock and, and then they they go under. Because they know that when you're picking it up, there's going to be bugs under there for you. So, oh. like, I'll be walking by the rocks. So you could pick up a rock and the chickens will come by and, and just get under the rock and get the bugs. The really dumb ones just keep wandering around. Do the coyotes get them? Yeah. They have gotten Oh, them. yeah. They've gotten at least two of them. One of them that I saw. One of them just went missing, and I'm pretty sure it was either coyote or a hawk. Could have been a hawk. Okay. And the other one, I saw the coyote jumping the fence with, with a chicken in its mouth. <gasps> yeah. But they were just obviously take all of them. Well, he couldn't. It was only one coyote. Yeah, yeah. And um, what happened was this coyote honey-dicked my dog. The coyote was hanging around, and my dog thought that this coyote was like his friend. Because he would just chill for a while? Because it was like hanging out like a mm-hmm. dog, like right outside the fence. Yeah. So he's like, well, this is a dog, too. Well, this is my friend. I see my friend every day, just like I see my other dog friend, like the dog that's uh, in the yard with him, the other dog. So one day, someone fucked up and didn't latch one of his gates correctly. So he got out of the gate. The coyote hopped the fence, and they met over by the chicken coop. Oh, and in chicken coops, there's one chicken that does a thing called molting. And when they, when they molt, what happens is they, they have all this uh, extra hair. Actually, the, the term I'm thinking of, I'm, I fucked it up. It's called brooding. And what brooding is, is they think that their egg is going to turn into a chicken. Yeah. But it's not. Oh, really? Because they didn't have sex with a rooster. So, oh, I thought they only sat on it if, I guess I was wrong. I no, thought they, they only always, sat on it if, they they, if it was fertilized. Anyway. They sit on them anyway, but they usually don't think it's going to hatch. They usually kind of know, and they get off of it. They know that they didn't get fucked somehow or another, and they know the egg's no good. But sometimes their brain gets fucked up, and it thinks that this is going to hatch. And then they start picking their feathers off, and they do a lot of weird shit. And you, only, you could either let them go through an entire like 28-day cycle, or you take them out of the big pen, the big chicken coop, and you put them in a very small one. And you separate them, so it has to be on a perch. And you just do that for one or maybe two days, and usually it cure, cures it. And they're not brooding oh. anymore, and they go back and they act like normal. Because otherwise, they, like, they abuse themselves. They pick all their feathers off to try to feather the nest, and they do all kinds of weird shit. And, and they don't move, and they get mad at you if you come anywhere near them. Whoa, weird. Yeah, they get like real motherly. But you can cure them of it, but this thing. So anyway, the coyote and Do- Johnny, the big dog. They found that thing, and the coyote somehow or another tricked Johnny into smashing this, because, you know, Johnny's 140 pounds, and the coyote's this little 50-pound thing. It's like, hey, we got to get in there, man. There's fucking chicken in there. <laughs> so my dumbass dog knocks over the chicken coop because he thinks he's having a good time with his friend, the dog, and that coyote grabs that chicken, and I see it running across the lawn. So I go out. And by the time I'm outside, the thing's gone. It jumps Whoa. over the fence like a ghost with a chicken in its mouth. And then my wife caught Johnny with a chicken in his mouth. No way. Johnny jacked. He killed he one. Killed. He killed one and fucked up another one. 
Because the coyote taught him how to be yeah, actual the, the live, coyote wild. showing him how much fun it is to go fuck up chickens. So he's like, oh, this is what we do with my friend the dog. <laughs> I mean, he doesn't know. He didn't get chickens until he was nine years old or eight years old. <laughs> you got to learn how to deal with them. Yeah, I mean, well, he can't. But if I see dogs with new babies and they're always like friendly, I'm always like, ah, how does that dog know? I would never just put my baby in front of a dog. You can't trust them. They don't think that the babies know what that are is. people. They don't think babies are people. That's why you always hear about pit bulls mauling babies. Really? You think that baby's an animal. Fucking dingoes at heart, man. So you Ooh. in this in this extension of trying to get natural stuff, you decided like let's kill. So this some is what food. happened, man. I I decided um, I would start watching hunting shows, and uh, that's where I watched this show um, called The Wild Within. It was like one of these uh, subsistence shows where this guy Steve Rinella would do these trips that like the same thing that like Lewis and Clark did, where he would make these rafts out of a, a, a buffalo hide, you know, oh, yeah. and, and go down the river and use a musket to try to shoot an animal to, and show how difficult it was for these people who made their way across the country to have actually survived. And I was like, this is fascinating. And so I, I got to meet him. I had him on my podcast. And he just got me really, really interested in hunting. I'd been sort of peripherally interested in it for years, but he got me really interested in it. And then he proposed to hunt, and we went with him. And me and Callan went to Montana, and I shot a deer. And On and that I, hunt? On that hunt. And uh, I remember thinking, well, this is the solution. Because I was down to one of two options. I was going to either be a vegetarian yeah. or I was going to be a hunter. That's it. That was, I was like, I just can't, I could see. What about those free range, like like Whole Foods where they say like Mm -hmm. whatever level of. Yeah, I can see that. I see free range cattle. That's like my, my friend Doug Duran. You met Doug Duran. Didn't you meet Doug Duran? My friend from Wisconsin. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe one of our shows together. I feel like you did. Maybe I'm wrong. Uh, anyway, he's a buddy of mine that lives in Wisconsin, and he has uh, grass-fed cattle. Really? Yeah, and he takes care of them. They have this big place to wander around in, and they're delicious. You know, and that's that's definitely better than the factory farm setup. Like, if you can get your meat in that way, but you'd have to be to be f- free, like to to be able to look at it and go, "This is okay to me." You have to like really know what's happening to the animal. And if you do know what's happening to the animals in almost every factory farm scenario, you wouldn't be okay with it. It's a horror show. Every one of them is a horror show. And so I was thinking that some, in my mind, it was like, especially when I got really high, I would think this is never going to change. Like this is just, as, we're going to just keep sheltering people from the truth of how we get our animals and how yeah. we get our meat. I'm not facing it? I mean, that's why they have those ag-gag laws. They have laws. What do you mean? To not have... let you see ads like that? Ag-gag laws are laws that prevent people from, fil- from filming oh, inhumane yeah. activities. What the fuck inside. is that? It's their crazy, corrupt laws. That's what it is. That's crazy. Like, you can't film the actual how they're doing it? Because like... they're all so horrific that they would lose money. That if people were aware... Yeah, well... I know. You're right. So what? You're right. You're right. And they should they should def- definitely change it. It's just they're making so uh, yeah. much money. The they only way you can make a two dollar burger, you know, you you have to. I mean, think about how they much always work say GMOs is so because like, well, it feeds poor people. And like, all right, but why are the non-poor eating it? Well, and then see, why are you serving it to everybody? GMOs it's are not a touchy subject cheese. because almost everything has been modified. Almost everything we eat. Corn used to be this tiny little thing yeah. that was like. The way Rodella describes it, he said it was like those little corns that you get when you get a salad, those little flexible little tiny yeah. corns. That was what was corn was like. And so like he said corn has corn. no nutritional value. Well, it's calorie rich, you know, if you're oh. just looking for a source of carbohydrates. It doesn't have a lot of nutritional value, though, no. But it's, if you're just looking for carbohydrates, 
it can you know definitely fuel you up people. a bowl of like you know bowl of cooked corn yeah corn should only be for the poverty stricken yeah well it's it's tastes good it's yummy with butter it sure is it's not a bad food yeah i enjoy it oh, on the grill yeah it's just not super it's like one of those weird grains that really you probably shouldn't be eating <laughs> you know yeah <laughs> fucking delicious though corn on the grill uh, wrapped in aluminum foil with butter and fucking yeah, salt Yeah, that's the way it. to do it. Come on, son. So you ever get one of those stands the Mexicans oh, put with yeah. that, the, the, shake, the shake stuff on it? Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, fuck yeah. How come they're the only ones who figured out that like spicy? Yeah, a little chili powder God on damn. the butter. Trump's trying to get rid of the Mexicans. <laughs> you got to leave some of their stuff. Their food is fantastic. <laughs> Can they're we the use the Mexican Trump research? food of all time. No one's even close. There's no one better than yeah. a real Mexican place like that place in La Jolla. That burrito stand Ramiro's? that has those chicken burritos that's near the condo. Ramiro's. Jesus Christ, that's good food. Yeah, yeah, that's good. When we come yeah. home from shows hammered. Yeah, that's perfect. Do the La Jolla store. Yeah. Drunk. <laughs> it's either, it was like Denny's or that for a while. Yeah. Fuck, that's 100% t- better than Denny's. <laughs> yeah. So you, got a, so you shot your first deer and then was like, yeah, this is the way I'm going to go? Yeah, right away. I knew right away. As soon as I shot it, I was like, okay. This is how I was looking. This is a wild animal. This yeah. animal might not have even ever seen a person until it saw me. It's entirely possible. Where? Where? What was it? It was in the Missouri Breaks. It's uh, in Montana. Uh, it's called the Missouri Breaks. It's the, uh, off the banks of the Missouri River. We took a, a canoe trip. We took a bunch of canoes uh, 40 miles in, down a river. And it's just a giant park? National park? Well, it's all uh, public lands. It's all an area you, you're allowed to hunt. You yeah. can just buy a tag, so that's what we did. But Anybody, no one lives there. There's no homes there. No, you can't. Home, you, you can't. Show me. Show try. me on your map where, where this place is. Uh, hmm. I could on I Google could Maps. Take some time though. Well, let me just describe. Okay, it. yeah, yeah. I'll describe it. Well, this is the best way to describe it. The issue is that it, although it's near a river, what they didn't understand back then when they were first discovering this part of America is that it's the remnants of the Great Western Inland Sea. It used to be a gigantic inland ocean with like fucking really? megalodons and dinosaurs and shit. They find a ton of dinosaurs out in Montana. It's like a dinosaur. And a matter of fact, a guy I know, his friend had a ranch and a fucking paleontologist found a dinosaur on his ranch and he got a million and a half dollars for it. Really? Yes. They found a fucking full intact dinosaur. Lottery. Very like, you know, partially intact dinosaur. But um, so the the ground is like, you know, that that ground that's in the bottom of a lake where it's like silt, mm-hmm. where it's not quite dirt. It's like mushy, kind of silty because it's just been there forever and it's been the bottom of a lake. That's what the ground is out there. So mm-hmm. nothing grows in that shit. There's like some bushes and some small trees, but most of it is just mud. And occasionally you get some patches that sustained like forest growth. But there's a lot of it where it's just mud. That's the Badlands? That's, well, that's the, it's called the Missouri Breaks. Okay. And it's this, not the Badlands. When you're walking around, like your boots get caked up with this stuff. Yeah. So they become three times as heavy. Like the bottom, it's like, it sticks to the bottom of your boots. So anytime it's even remotely wet out there, you're walking in this like incredible goo. And so nothing grew there. So they gave these homesteading parcels to all these people. So you find those old houses. So as we're going down the river, you would see a homestead. And you look over, you see the remnants of a building where some people tried to make it. They said, fuck it, we're going to get some cattle. The government's going to give us 40 acres if we just work it. Because they, they gave it to them there. They're like, they do something it with it. Do free. anything with it. You know, they're doing that in parts of Russia right now. Really? Yeah, they're doing that. I think Eastern Russia. I'm not they're just talking about homesteading in Russia. But they would just give you a parcel of land. 
land. All you had to do was work it and make make good of the land. They were just trying to inhabit these areas. So people, they encouraged people to take a chance, but no one made it in the Missouri breaks. You couldn't grow anything. They just didn't last. You know, they last a little while. They all eventually gave up. So Damn. now when you go down that river, you just see these homes. rotten down <sighs> old houses from the 1700s, 1800s. Cool. Super cool. And deer everywhere. So then you shot one. Did you train yeah. on it beforehand on how to shoot and stuff? <sighs> Not too much because with a rifle, when you're, uh, when you're shooting with a rifle, we did a few practice shots. He just sort of emphasized that you just have to center the animal in the reticle and squeeze the trigger very gently. You don't want to jank, yank it. You want to, you want, you want to, That's all he taught you? Yeah. Basically taught me trigger control and where to hit the animal. With a bow, it's way more difficult. But with a rifle, if you have a steady rest and you understand to not punch the trigger, you want the trigger to go off by accident. You want to just pull, 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 bang, and it goes off. You don't want to go bang. You don't want to like force it to right. go off because if you force it to go off, you're going to jerk and you're going to move it off offline. You knew that before the first time you did it. Yeah, he told me that. Okay. Yeah, and I talked to some people because I, I was really interested in like what I had to do, and but I didn't get nearly enough practice as I should have. Yeah. Shooting, I maybe shot like seven shots with a rifle. That's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we just shot at some some targets. We set them up on the beach, and once I started hitting, like pretty much the center, and I, he figured that I figured out what I was doing. He's like, "Well, let's conserve seven animals. shots." Like, you got it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, well, looking back on it now, it's kind of crazy, but from how far out. away? How far away? Is seven I shots. Sh- we were practicing from about a hundred yards away. And you but, hit things from a hundred yards away? Yeah, with a with a gun. That's All not right. that hard. It's pretty easy with a gun. Oh, really? Yeah, because the rifle has a, a scope, and the scope is magnified. So when you're looking down the rifle scope, even so, like I shot an elk just a couple weeks ago, and it was 287 yards, really far, and it hit it perfect. Call of Duty? Just like, bang, hit in the body. You don't want to hit it in the head. It's that if you miss, you blow their eyeballs out or something, you blow their nose off, and they run away, and you never find them. Oh. You want to hit them. In a, uh, the body only. Nobody ever shoots anything in the head. Have you? Uh, no, I shouldn't say nobody, but it's you're just super, not supposed to. Super rare. And then what? You just hit in the body, and let it like fall down eventually. If you shoot in the lungs, it, it, they you go through both lungs, and they're dead almost instantly. They they right away. They just fall they, over. They run till there. There's no more air, and they fall down, and that's it. It takes a few seconds if you hit them right. Have you ever missed one? Oh yeah, for sure. What's yeah. okay? So hold on. So take me through that. I want to know what that's like. Well, you get um, out there, you get like a shot. How do you decide? Wait, how do you decide who shoots it? Well, that's uh, depending on who you're hunting with. You, you have to decide that in advance. Most of the time, you would go like, it, it, depending on whether or not you had a guide or whether or not you were uh, going with buddies to do like a buddy system, like you would help each other. Like you would say, like, you're up today. Like, say if you and I went yeah. um, and uh, we were both hunting, I'd say, look, this is what we do. Um, today, you're up and uh, I'll, you know, it, depending on what kind of hunting you're doing, like say I'll glass over in this area for you, meaning I'll look with binoculars in this area and you look in this area that will cover more territory. And then once you find the animal, then we'll make a plan to try to move in on it, find out where the wind is going. You have to, there's a lot of things that have to come up. You have to really be careful about your wind. You want to make sure your wind is never drifting down towards the animal because they can smell you hundreds of yards away. So if you see one that's downwind, you're fucked. You just can't get to well, it. Well, most of the time. Every now and then, it. it doesn't. There's, there's no real logic, just like with people, to animals. There's general rules. Yeah. And the general rule is an animal smells you, they'll bolt. But occasionally, they don't. So occasionally, they smell you and they look at you. Maybe they never smelled a person before. 
I saw a deer in uh in uh I was in at Rosemont, Chicago. Oh yeah. They had a little like hike behind the the place. So I just went and I saw a deer back there and he just like, looked at me. It was pretty close too. And I just kept it. I was like, Oh, it's like pretty. And I just imagine you jumping out of the bushes and like, kill it, kill it and just like stabbing it with an arrow. <laughs> I wouldn't do it that way, but it happens pretty quick. They shoot something with an arrow. It's almost quicker sometimes because uh, they bleed out so quick. It's so big. Well, there's a difference between like a gunshot wound creates a lot of trauma and shock yeah. and it blows things apart. But what uh, an arrow does, it's like a samurai sword that slices through everything. So they bleed like almost instantly. They bleed out. Yeah. A lot of times they oh, have no yeah. idea what happened. They just felt a sharp pain and then all of a sudden they're running. What the fuck? And they don't know what happened and they're down and it's over. Wait, so, okay. So you hunt this deer. Yeah. You and your buddy. You're up today. Yeah, this is how you would do it. One of you fucking says, I got one. Yeah, you see it, and then you would try to figure out how to get to it. You would, you would try to, depending on where the animal is, like if the animal was uh, bedded down, like it was in some bushes bedded down, what you would do is you would try to get to a position where when it got out of its bed, you would be ready. Oh. So you'd be because they all do that. They bed down during the day. They take uh-huh. naps. And they, they sort of like they're always awake. They was just sort of looking around, and then when it starts to get dark, then they get up and start walking around and feed. Oh. And so you want to be ready for when it gets up. And a lot of it is a guessing game. You got to guess he's going to go this way. We found one of those beds in, in Banff. Oh really? Yeah. Yeah, you We're see like, them all over the place. Yeah, I was worried it was moose. Could be. It could be moose. They're scary. Yeah, I was They'll like, guys, don't go in there. But they all want to go in and look. Those at are it. the only ones you have to be worried about. Those are the only ones that'll fuck you up. Like an elk, if they're horny and they're in the rut, they it's it's totally possible that an elk might charge you or headbutt you or what something. What if you're like near that. their kid? Or they don't they, they'll bother. be gone. You'll never get that close. They're uh. not like bears. Bears fuck up. Like bears would be like curious and shit, go down the wrong road and all of a sudden there's a hiker. That shit does not happen. I'm like, well, I guess I gotta kill it. Deer hear you and they're like, What the fuck? Yeah. Doing, doing. They just bounce away. Bears aren't scared of shit. So when they hear things, they don't think, oh, this, this is uh, a person coming to eat. <laughs> just like something over there. They just think, oh, there's something over there I might eat later. And, see, <laughs> and all of a sudden, there's you, and they don't know what you are, and they're near their babies. And they're like, you know what? I'm not taking any chances, especially a female. Yeah. Like a female bear near her cubs is yeah. one of the most dangerous things. You just run. As soon as you see a baby cub, you just you get just the fuck out of there. definitely back up. Definitely get out of there. Definitely get out of there. You see a cub, get the fuck out you of there. You see that video of that guy that got attacked by a bear? Of course you yeah, did. did. Of, course of course you did. Yeah. And then he said he got attacked again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, same same one. And he couldn't get to his gun. He had a bird dead. That bear fucked him up, man. Grizzlies are terrifying. Yeah. They are a goddamn terrifying animal. Yeah. And they are enormous. I've seen them. Really? I saw one grizzly in real life. In the, in the, well, I've seen them in the zoo. I, see, I saw them in a oh, grizzly right. sanctuary, but I saw one in the forest. It was so creepy, dude. Was it just looking at you? It looked at me. It looked right through me. How far away? 40 yards, 50 Whoa. yards. It was really close. Yeah. Did you have bear spray? No, we had rifle. We had shotguns, rather. Oh. We had to scare it off. We had to, um, you weren't smack. trying to kill it? No, no. You're not allowed to kill grizzly bears. Or well, I was. They're endangered there? Yeah. We, we got lucky that it, you know, we were just in an area passing through. Yeah. It wasn't where we were going, ultimately, so we didn't have to worry about it being where we stopped, but it was in an area where we are. And we had guns on us, but it was pretty close to where we were by the side of the road. Damn. It was pretty close. It's, it's crazy to look at them, man. They have a different look in their eyes. A grizzly has this like, crazy, dead look in its eyes. Like It's not concerned about you. It's concerned on what it's going to do with you. Like, like croak up? 
Man, maybe even less. <laughs> more creepy than Krokop. Remember how bored he looked before fights? Yeah. <laughs> he was just like, let's just do this. Him and Vandalay, they just fucking, yeah. Vandalay just pulled out. Vandalay doesn't want to fight him or something's going on. Oh, they were going to do one? They were fighting on New Year's Eve, man. Oh, that's so soon. Cycling wrong. <sighs> I don't know what the fuck happened. Um, um, but anyway. So wait, so you track this thing. So you're like, okay, I got one. Yeah. Or he's like, I got one. You meet up and you're like, hey, I found one. You how many yards away? How many, di- how many hours it? away? Yeah, like a typical okay. one. What well, would you, it normally you, be? You would like to get as close as you can. But there's a certain distance where like, if you go any closer, you're going to blow this because there's no way it's going to see you or it's going to hear you or the wind is bad. No, but I mean like how far away when you glass it, how far away is well, that? Well, we, the first time we saw it, it was about 100 yards. Oh, that's it. Okay. I couldn't get the scope set up properly. I was too close to the scope and I had to realize that I had to sit back a little bit to center it in. And then once I sat back a little bit and centered it in, the fucking deer went behind a rock. <laughs> so then he, uh, I was with Steve Ranella. He made this noise, this weird noise he'd made with this uh, little whistle thing he has. And the, the deer paused for just a second and came out from behind the rock. And I shot it. It just dropped. Whoa. It was crazy. Yeah, it was like about 200 yards. And it dropped. And um, then I had to go over there and finish it off. Were you even breathing when you, when you, uh, when you shot it the first time? I was just happy that it worked. You know, because this is the first time I ever shot at anything that was alive. And I'm just squeezing the trigger, and boom, it goes off. And then next thing I know, the deer's legs are up in the air. Do you remember if you were nervous at all? I was totally nervous. 100%. So, like, when it goes behind the rock, you're like, fuck, fuck, can't get a beat on it? Are you yeah, just like. Oh, the whole time I was nervous. I was trying to stay calm. I was like, wow, this is a, this is a tremendously pressure filled moment. Yeah. It's very, very difficult to do. You know, like anybody who thinks that hunting in, in any way is easy, man, it's fucking nerve wracking. Super nerve-wracking. How much are you even trying to press that guy? Um, well, I definitely didn't want to be a bitch around him, yeah. for sure. Launch but him I was off the never going to impress him. Yeah. There's no fucking way that's going to impress him. I mean, he's probably killed... He's been hunting since he was a teenager. He's never I know, but I mean, like, get a, like a good job. You did it well. Oh, well, he did say that, man. He was happy. He was super happy, and I was happy that he was happy because when someone takes you on, like, in a mentorship role, like, is going to mentor you through something, like... It's an honor in a lot of ways, and it's also a fucking tremendous responsibility for you because a lot of people would die to be in that position. Like, you better do the most with it. Someone who's a diehard hunter who could go and get this guy, Steve Ranella, to take him on a, a guided hunt. Like, holy shit, you're so lucky, you know? Yeah, that is cool. So I looked at it that way. But when I started eating that deer, we were eating it over the fire. That night? That night we ate the liver. And uh, we had liver and heart. We cut out the liver and the heart. We took that back to the uh, camp. And then, uh, because we were pretty far out, and uh, we didn't want to carry the deer uh, that night, because we we were going to have to butcher it and chop it up, and that takes a long time, and we didn't want to do it that night. So we decided to hang the deer in a tree. So you so hang nothing it in a tree, get to it? so nothing can get to it. But you still, like, cats can get to it, and things can get to it. But we hung it pretty high in the tree, and we took the organs back to the camp. We walked, like whatever it was, like maybe maybe a mile and a half, two miles. And um, we, we got back to the camp and cooked the liver and the onions over a campfire, and it was Whoa. glorious. That's pretty cool. That was pretty much when I decided I'm going to do this from now on. Like, this makes sense, because this, 
I don't, I don't feel bad about that animal's life because that animal lived a wild life. It's the way it's supposed <laughs> to live. It lives. <laughs> it's it's, it, it's as wild as it gets. We were there for five, no, six days. I saw maybe three people. Really? Oh, that we sounds there. great. It was amazing. So what's like? Okay, so when you're out there like that, what's what's the camaraderie like? Like, is it joking? Is it, oh, is it well, quiet? Callan was with us, so okay. it was like an <laughs> ongoing comedy training. show. It was <laughs> yeah. all about cocks. It was all about it was one, it was one long Callan killing set. Really, like like him <laughs> killing doing stand up. He was so funny, man. He's he's like that's where Callan's at his best, and he has like a captive audi- audience like that. Like he just is such a natural funny. You can't guy. get out of there. Oh my god, he was the best. We <laughs> had so much fun. We cried laughing for like five days. So you're allowed to make full noise. No, 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 no. This is like back when we were at camp. Okay. When we hunted, we had hunted in separate troops. Callan would go off with my friend Ryan Callahan. Yeah. And then Ranella and I would go off a different direction. Because you, if you had all four of us going together, we'd make way too much noise. We'd get seen. We'd get heard. And we wouldn't have the same opportunities. So one would go left, one would go right. We just talked about it. You know, you never know why Why go left, why go right. There's like, there's Whatever. no logic to it. It's like, let's find out where the deer are. We don't really know. And then we say, let's meet up here in an hour. No, we would meet up there at the, either at the end of the day. We all knew where the camp was, you know, so we would just go back to camp. And you both do your own hunt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. I get it. Yeah. So when you are there, so it's a lot of joking. Okay. It was real fun, man. It's, there's no cell phones. Cell phones don't work. Hell yes. And um, you see every fucking star that Odin ever put in the sky. You, when you're lying down at night, when you look up, you're like, holy shit. Damn. There's no light pollution up there, man. And as long as it's not cloudy, and like one day we were there, the first day we were there, pouring rain, just pouring rain all night, all throughout the night, just freezing cold, pouring rain. Uh, but from then on, uh, the rain stopped, the clouds moved out, and it got super, super cold, like into like nine degrees. Really? But God damn, the night sky, you would look up and you would just see beautiful stars everywhere, man. And that you would hear weird animals like fucking bouncing off in the distance and shit. And one time we had a deer that. come into camp while we were sleeping. Really? Yeah, he came into camp and re- he's probably horny. You know, <sighs> try- he didn't know what the fuck he was doing. They get horny and they get crazy. And he what do you got? You guys are... No, He Damn smelled it. that it was people. So he started snorting and stomping on the ground. So he was like outside of our tent snorting and stomping on the ground because he was upset that he smelled people. Oh, did you kill it? No, 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 no. We, you can't. You can't even see it. Like, oh. It's so dark out. You don't see a goddamn thing unless the moon's out. Yeah. And even then, you can't shoot. By Dude, people. I love it when I, you go up to the like the uh, north of like the I guess the Pasadena Mountains or whatever. Mm-hmm. Just any of those, but anywhere you can't see any light pollution, and it's like, right. damn, there's a lot of stars. Oh my god, there's so many stars. Like if you went to like out Joshua to, uh, Tree or yeah, anything, Joshua Tree, yeah. Palm Springs, that area, go out there. God damn, there's so many stars. We just. There was uh, there's a, apparently a day, like uh, I, I was talking about it. Like we should have a day where we all shut our lights off. Apparently there is something like that. Well, everyone it's like National out. Light Pollution Day, really? where they want everybody to just turn off as many lights as possible. Everybody shut the lights off for like an hour or something. That's cool. I was just uh, just went back to uh, the Keck Observatory in uh, in in on the Big Island, in yeah. Hawaii. I was just there two weeks ago. Look at the stars. Yeah, man. I, I go to the Big Island specifically to go to that observatory and see the stars. Just to look up from the visitor center, it's so amazing, man. It's like you just see so many stars. This time wasn't as good because this time was a little cloudy. You couldn't see as many as you could. But the one time I went, and it was perfect. There was not a, no moon in the sky. You could see every goddamn star. It was just the full 
Milky Way Galaxy. Damn, I love that. God, it's the best. It's the most incredible view that yeah. really that exists, you know? Yeah. Um, I, these dorks. <laughs> I thought you uh, told people we should have locked that door. There's a little lock on that door, isn't there? Should I run go lock it? Nah. Yeah, it's more right. drama if it stays <laughs> yeah, open. It's fine. See if they figure it out. So what happens when you miss? So you're lining up this thing. You're hunting something for a day, maybe. Yeah, if you miss, you're you know you're kind of you're pissed. Like you, what's the feeling? You've so you've done that where yeah. you're lining something up and you're like time yeah. to die. Yeah, I mean it's not an exact science. You know that's why you're not like. There's people that take like especially rifle hunters that take these crazy long shots. They'll do like 800 yard shots. You know, and they'll shoot an animal 800 yards away. It's like really technical stuff. Like you have to have so many things accounted for and adjusted for because it's traveling Wind. eight plus football fields. Yeah, yeah. You know, and there's a lot of hang time. Like there's boom, and then you'll hear it make impact. Oh. Like say if you're shooting a metal target, they shoot these metal targets because you can hear the dink. So you hear boom, dink. Really that yeah, long? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah, when it gets out to like. 800 plus yards that gets real squirrely damn yeah there's a lot of bad shots are taken at like like super long distances a lot of guys can do it they, they do it to challenge themselves because like kids yeah it's also it's you know it's kind of a braggadocious thing in some ways you know yeah. you shot oh, right. it from 800 yards out like a fucking savage and you just dropped <laughs> yeah. it with full confidence i don't know it's it's weird you know like anything when the de- degree of difficulty uh, is not high enough to satisfy people, they start doing things to challenge themselves more. Uh-huh. And one of the things they do with hunting is they increase the distance. You know, they increase how far away they use a rifle. How tough a shot it was. Only yeah. one in ten men can make that shot. So then some guys will go to bows. When yeah. That's not difficult enough. And then if that's not difficult enough, then they go to traditional bows. That's There's a big movement to do that. What, just like tie something off yourself? No, they, they, they make what's called recurve bows which is uh, not even nearly as strong and as fast as a compound bow. Like the sleepaway camp bows where you really just mm-hmm. pull it back? Yeah, yeah. There's a bunch of different kinds, the recurve being the strongest. I mean, you can get some pretty deep. You can kill a lot of things with a recurve bow if you're really good at it. I mean, there's guys that can do it, but it's nowhere near as effective as a compound bow. It's not even close. So it's for guys who think compound bows are for pussies. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's just too easy. <laughs> yeah, they just. it's like... You know it is, man. If someone does a 10K, then they want to do a marathon. Do you want a marathon? You yeah, want to do yeah, yeah. And go more. You know, do people tell a lot of hunting stories while they're out there? Sometimes they're good stories, yeah. yeah. I mean, some, some people have had some crazy goddamn hunting stories. My friend John Dudley told probably the craziest hunting story ever. Really? They shot an elk in Alberta, and uh, as they were getting ready to gut the elk and take it out, they got surrounded by wolves. What? Yeah. They'd shot an elk in the wolf's territory. We're like real close to the wolf's den. Damn. So they were like, that's they were, ours? They were surrounded by wolves, and the wolves made a run at them. So they shot one of the wolves, and then another wolf made a run at them. And they shot another wolf, and then another wolf made a run at God. them. They shot a third wolf. They had their back to the tree, and they had wolves surrounding them howling. What? So the wolves were p- taking inventory of who's still alive. And they howled, like they all howled together. And he said, there was like 10 wolves surrounding them. And then there was this one alpha male. And he said, he looked at the alpha male, he drew back his bow, and the alpha male took off, and they all followed him. And that was it. Damn. He had put in his mind that that bow meant 
that wolves are dying and that the gun meant wolves are dying. Like he had to figure it out somehow or another. This guy pointing that thing at me. I got to get the fuck out of here. So the wolf took off and they wound up uh, pulling the elk out of there. They took. Wow. Yeah, they got their elk. Jesus Christ. And they Christ. got three wolves. They killed three wolves. Did they get to eat wolf meat? You could if you wanted to. I would definitely eat Steve that. Steve Rinella was telling me the other day that there was some famous hunter from like the 1800s and wolf was his favorite meal. Really? And he loved to eat wolf. How crazy do you have to be to want to eat a wolf? <laughs> I just want it bad. I ate a zebra Fuck, this summer. Man. You ate a zebra? Yeah. Holy shit. Where? Borough Market in London. It's, uh, yeah. What does it taste like? It's kind of tough. You know, but just meat. Didn't you eat horse with me in Montreal? Uh-huh. Yeah, raw horse. Yeah. Raw horse meat. Yeah, we had horse tartare, right? Is that horse what it tartar, was? Joe's. God damn, that was good. Joe's? A Joe Beef. Joe Beef, Joe there Beef you go. Montreal. Yeah. 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 yeah, man. God damn. Is it, so was it similar? Zebra? Nah, it was tougher. It had like the hard pieces in it. Whoa. You know, like um, just tougher. Gristle. Yeah, gristle. It was okay, though. It was all right. I didn't put too much stuff on it because I wanted to want to fucking you know get into it. Yeah, want to know what it really tastes like, right? Yeah. Did you um? What was I gonna say? It's gone, man. Mm. What's the bear hunting like? Because that's that can come at you, right? At some point, it can come at you. Um, my friend Jonathan, who's one of the guides up there, they had a wounded bear this past year. Somebody had shot the bear and didn't make a good shot on it, oh. and the bear charged them. And he wound up shooting it with his shotgun 10 feet away from him. The bear got within 10 feet, and he shot it. He's like, literally, I could have touched it with the tip of the rod. Wow, the 10 feet. 10 feet. Charged him. Boom! He shot it right there. And he just like fell into him? Well, it just he shot it in the head, like right in front of him. And it just dropped it. God. Yeah. What in the fuck, dude? You eating the bear meat now? Yeah. I got some if you want it. I got some. Yeah. I got some bear summer sausage. You can eat it. It's already cooked. Really? Slice it. Yeah. I like to reheat it. You know, if you're into crackers, if you eat crackers, it's really good on crackers. Have you, you found know. like cuts of bear that you like over other cuts of bear? I like bear backstrap. Really? Yeah. It's like the. <laughs> what do your daughters think of all this stuff? They've been eating it since they were babies. Do they know what you're doing? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. They don't like got like you killed yoga. No, yogi, no, or no, no. They have no worries about that at all. No. That's pretty good. Because that could go wrong. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Daddy, no, don't go again. <laughs> they they understand that animals, like when you buy a hot dog, you're buying animals. Yeah. It's just somebody else killed the animal. We just explained to them. Like, you, if you want to eat meat, you have to, an animal has to die. So far, right now, as of right now. There's, we're really yeah. close to being able to scientifically recreate meat. You think so? Uh, yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, it's a. They've already done it. It's incredibly expensive right now. It's like the process hasn't been you know ironed out and turned into mass consum- mass production. But they're going to be able to do that for sure. Whoa! They're Just be able what like KFC rumors are always. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That was way too expensive. Beak- beakless. But what they're going to be able to do is they're going to be able to just make just the meat. Oh right. No animal. And so there's. Would not you be into be that? Ethical. I would definitely eat it. Yeah. As long as it wasn't bad for you. Right. As long as there was any way, like if you could, I mean, boy, you wouldn't want to be testing. like one of the first people to fucking no, try no, it. No. You know, I mean, it would be weird if we found out some strange disease. Remember when David coming. Cameron said there was no more mad cows in London or in England and he gave his daughter a fucking burger to eat? Did Prime Minister of London. It might have been David Cameron, but I think it was. When there's a mad cow scare and he goes, it's safe. I'm showing you it's safe. And he let his daughter eat a burger. And people are like, Jesus, man. 
Yeah, man. I have a friend who went over to um, London during the time where yeah. the mad cow shit was going on. And so for the longest time, like he couldn't give blood. He couldn't. Yeah. Oh, because he was. Yeah. Uh, because he like for like you have a quarantine period that lasts a long time because those prions. That it's like taking 10 years for some people to get like, a long ass time, man. It could take a long minutes. fucking time. What time is it about? 1030? Yeah. Okay. We're okay. It's probably running late though. The store always is. Usually is. I heard Louie's in town too. Holla. Yeah, but he didn't come in yesterday, so that's okay. Beth <laughs> Miller left her, her glasses there, <laughs> and Adam was like talking to her husband. Uh, was like, yes, yeah, I have them if you want to come in, like being all. But he like walked away from me. You know what? Someone takes a call mm-hmm. and they walk away. Right. So I just trailed. I was like a foot behind <laughs> him, and then he got around the corner into the, his office, and then he started to close the door. But I was like on him. He didn't realize I was still following from the hallway. And I was like, is that Mister Midler? Is that Ben Miller's husband? So he just starts <laughs> kicking at me. <laughs> shut, up, shut up! Stop it. <laughs> That's hilarious. Um, you ever want to go big game hunting? Like lions and shit? No. No, not at all. No desire. Why? I want to only, uh, I only want to kill things that I'm going to eat. So you can eat lion? Yeah, yeah, you don't want to. It's not good. It doesn't taste good. Oh, really? No. No, the things that taste good are the things you already know taste good, plus like other African antelopes. Like there's a bunch of things like elins and mm-hmm. eel guys. There's all these different African antelopes that taste amazing. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's all sorts of crazy mm. African antelope uh connoisseurs i think it's like the best meat in the world that's like free range oh it's as free as it gets it's from the motherland you know yeah and there's but it's a very perverse system over there like most of the hunting that you do over there is behind fences what do you mean yeah africa has turned into these 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 a lot of the places where people go to hunt are these game parks these these places where they're wild game, but they're all fenced in. So they have borders you, of the wild game, so it's like the experience, but not like wow, it's, fully it's out there. It's real sketchy. Cause you could argue both ways, because there's not a fence in the world that's going to keep most of those animals out. That's the reality. They're not high fences. They're just you know like five, six feet high. All these animals, they'd either go through it or over it. Yeah. The fence is more of a deterrent to people coming through oh. like they have to make it they have to cut the fence they have to come through and they get that all the time they're poachers and apparently um they wind up shooting the poachers they treat poachers like you would treat a coyote that was stealing your chickens they just shoot them yeah dude my friend was there <laughs> when my friend was there they shot at a poacher they didn't kill him but they shot at a poacher in front of him really just fucking saw a poacher and he's like back up that's like allowed yeah the, well the guy had a gun too and apparently the guy didn't think that they could see him because he had put some stuff on his face that he thought was black magic yeah, black, yeah. and so he thought that he had a spell under him so no way for real yeah, yeah so he thought they had a spell under him so that they couldn't see him so he was coming closer to them because his rifles like this really makeshift thing like it's almost like a musket like he doesn't have real bullets like a lot of these poachers they have like gunpowder they packed into a, a, the barrel of a gun and then they put like some sort of a projectile in there and then they have to like light it on fire or something jesus start oh yeah it's crazy it's crazy. I mean, they're, they're incredibly primitive. With, oh, that's way different of, than the movies and even uh, the pictures. They do a lot of like leg snares. They're just, most of it is extremely poor people oh. that are trying to steal meat from these parks that are, these animals are all owned by these gigantic ranches, these hunting ranches. So these ranches, people will fly in from all around the world and they have this just gigantic bounty of wildlife to choose from. Like they have a laundry list of shit they want to shoot. 
And you can like, just go there and like, yep. a zebra. Okay, I want to cool. shoot we'll a take you to this place. I'm here to get a wildebeest and a kudu. I, I need to get my big eight. And they have like these numbers like that they want to get the big 25. I got the grand slam. I got the super slam. They have like really? slams of wild game where they have like numbers of animals that you have to get in order to get a super slam. And wow. So these, yeah. So these crazy big game hunters that really they go back like today I'm going to get my they go to collect all the different kinds of animals and you have no interest in that because you're just there to eat them I have zero interest in anything other than shooting deer and elk so and do you still taste really do you good. still enjoy boring hunting like fishing I love fishing you still enjoy yeah. that fishing's awesome oh. yeah I went fishing in Hawaii it's awesome really yeah it is pretty fucking caught awesome caught tuna and then ate it for lunch really had sashimi that, that day for lunch it was amazing <sighs> Hell yeah, yes. man, I um, it's, it's fun, but hunting is more crazy. Yeah, it's more scary. It's more primal. It's more uh, nerve wracking. Yeah. What are the so like? What's the longest you've tracked something before killing it? Um. Well, a lot of times, like when you first see, like say, if you're on a hunt and it's like a five day hunt, when you see an animal, yeah. that's probably the only time you're going to see it. The only time you're going to see an animal more than once is if they've got like a really established territory and it's the time of the year where like rifles haven't started going off yet and you might be able to see it a second yeah. time. But for the most part, when you see an animal, that's your opportunity. You have that opportunity and that animal might be gone tomorrow and there might be a new animal there tomorrow. I mean, they roam all over the place, you know, so if you're... So do you come to home with nothing sometimes? Yeah, yeah, a bunch oh. of times, a bunch of times. I've had like four or five complete skunk outs in the last year and a half. Well, you don't even see anything. In the last year and a half, four or <laughs> yeah, five. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's so disappointing. Yeah, it sucks. But you have that has to happen. But it still seems like it's a good time. It's you must come time. back from being out with the guys. Yeah. Like just enjoying the fucking stars and oh, stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, 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 no. It's awesome. It's really fun. It's really fun, man. It's um, when you go and you're just disconnected from society for just a few days, just that alone. Yeah. Just it gives you like a nice reset. But you got to be like really careful who you go with, because if you if you're trapped out there with a bunch of dummies a douche. it could be bad has that happened yeah you've had, i've had that happen before oh. i've been trapped out there with some people i didn't want to be for trapped days with. yeah of just full-on you and me contact well yeah you definitely come into contact with them a lot more than you would in the wild civilization <laughs> yeah but oh, yeah you know it depends on who you're going with like who's that person is you work for like if you're going for a television show you might work for the television show and like if you were just it was just you like say you me and callan yeah, like, the, like the regular go. hunting experience probably for yeah. most dudes are like yeah. it's time to go off it's this weekend a bunch of buddies together yeah what i've done a lot of it is like uh guided hunts which is a little bit different so you got to go out there with a guide and the guide may or may not be cool you know they might be really annoying they might say racist shit. <laughs> like, oh, we don't know you well enough. <laughs> the most, 99% of them are very cool though. Yeah. It's, I'm, I'm really more talking about other people's experiences that have been relayed to me sure. than my own experiences. But I that's like really a thing. Had. People have yeah, like, Yeah, it oh, can happen, fuck. man. You could be hanging out with the wrong dude and it can get real annoying. The guy I went fishing with is pretty cool. Oh yeah, that guy was great. Uh-huh. Matt. Yeah. Yeah. Matt from Valley Charters. What's, um, what's the drug situation like for these things? Can you do them? Oh, fuck yeah. So yeah, what do you... A lot of guys like to smoke weed. Yeah. A lot of guys like to smoke weed. No, yeah. That seems perfect for that. No worry about mm. like... No. The, the animal catching you? No, or, like, no, smelling no. It, it doesn't matter. Once you're in the camp, you don't do anything until you're in the camp. 
once you're back in camp, like animals for the most part, except for that one deer, they're not going to go near you. They're going to smell you. They're going to steer clear of you. Your, the camp your idea is you make a camp and then you branch out from where that camp is to go hunt. You try to find an area where you think it's a good sheltered area where you're going to set up and then you, you go out from there and come back there. Every and you night. have cans of food and stuff? Depends. Um, sometimes you bring a cooler. They have these coolers called Yetis. You ever see a Yeti cooler? You know what that is? Mm-mm. They're fucking crazy, man. They're just like these super duper insulated coolers that have these these closures where it's like this fat rubber strap and you pull it, it snaps in place and just keeps that fucking thing closed. And you can keep ice in there for like seven days. Whoa, really? They're amazing. It's uh, amazing. And what do you put on your back? Factor. No, you just leave it in camp. How do like you, you get it You bring it in there. You drag it in. Either you take it in, like if you when we were on a boat, we just had them in the boat and we carried them off the boat. You know, you beach camp the right boat. near there. Yeah, you camp uh-huh. right near there. Or if you know, you get in. To, it depends on how far you're going to go in. You know, how far you're going to go in from where you can park or where you can. Uh, some people use ATVs. They use like little little buggies. Ride those in there. That's real common too. That's cool. Yeah, there's a lot of people do that. They go uh, in the. They also have electric bikes that you can ride now. Where they, um, I used those in uh, really? Iowa. Uh, a couple electric weeks ago. bikes. Yeah, a couple weeks ago actually. We because the idea is you can ride into where the animals are and they don't recognize you as footsteps because it's oh. just this weird noise of a bike. Like I've they never don't, heard. And it's rubber on the ground instead of your feet, so you're not leaving these telltale smells everywhere you go. Because your legs, everything about you smells. <laughs> everything. I mean, you you would have to like clean your clothes right now and then douse them in ozone. They have these like so cabinets. it smell like soap. Yeah, it, it cling the ozone. Apparently, I don't know how it works, but it clings to the to the odors to the odor molecules and it distorts it for the deer. So you got to spray you know, that on yourself. You actually like put your clothes in a closet and zip it up like a thing that hangs up, and it blows ozone all over your clothes. Whoa. Yeah, people go to great lengths. So to we get rode, rid of. We rode these electric bikes. They're like assist bikes. So like once you start pedaling, the electric motor kicks in. It gives you a big assist. And it makes like five or six times easier to pedal the bike. That's so cool. that as you're riding, it's super easy to pedal. And you just take paths there? Yeah, and you don't, you don't get sweaty. Because the, the key is when you're in cold, cold weather, you don't want to get sweaty and then stand still. Why? Because if you walk to where you're going to go and you exert yourself, you heat up and then you sweat, then when you cool off, you fucking freeze to death. Oh. And a lot of people, especially before they figured out merino wool, a lot of people would fucking literally freeze to death. Really? Yeah. With but, the sweat. But wool allows you, because it's a natural fiber, it allows you to be warm even if you're wet. Wool's kind of incredible in that way. I'm allergic to wool. Are you really? Yeah. Wow. Poor bitch. Yeah, it's terrible. A lot of blankets you can't sleep out at your friend's house. Do you get itchy? Like what? Super happened? itchy. My eyes get watery and red. Runny nose. No shit. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. So, uh, uh, what is it about being out there? Because I've gone into hiking lately a bunch. Mm-hmm. What is it just be- being like on regular dirt ground? Well, because feels- I think we're we have a, a natural connection. I mean, it sounds like so hippie, right? It sounds so bullshit. Yeah. natural connection what? with nature <laughs> sounds like i'm trying to sell a seminar you know there's a natural connection <laughs> with nature that we need to get back to america i want to urge you to go with me to the woods <laughs> the nature we're world. gonna hug trees like but you know les stroud survivor man he was joking yeah. around about that once he's like you know people always call you like a tree hugger or something like that he goes, honestly 
go go hug a tree. <laughs> you will feel better. It's like if you're out in the woods, you will feel better. It feels good to touch trees and yeah. just to like be out there, the smell and the, I don't know, just sitting down on the ground That's where we came, man. We came from that. We came from the wild. Yeah. We absolutely 100% at one point in time didn't live in cities. That's the reality of human beings. We absolutely well, were. Sure, sure, absolutely. Like every other animal, we were connected to actual nature itself. But we figured out a way to insulate ourselves in a way where we think like this room with these artificial lights is natural. Or both holding microphones. We think this is normal. <laughs> yeah. Right? This is yeah. crazy. But, so, but then you could be out there too long, too. It's, I feel like it's like once in a while, we just need a reset. Of like, just stick it back yeah. to it. Hey, man, don't get me wrong. Civilization's awesome. Yeah. I mean, internet is awesome. You know, having a TV is awesome. All those things are great. That's not the problem. The problem is a perspective problem that if you're around civilization all the time, you start thinking, you start thinking that this is life, that this makes sense. This is no, this is one way to live life. But around you, all throughout the world, there's a natural life going on that has nothing to do with people. And when you're hunting, you're dipping your toes into that natural world, and that's where you're getting your food. You're going out into the actual wild of tooth, fang, and claw. This is what a lot of people like to describe the, the wild as like tooth, fang, and claw. Because you use that. That's what they're life. doing. They're fucking getting each other. I mean, it's just a, a hail of things eating each other yeah and you just go out there and you dip your fucking toe into the game and then you <laughs> come back bit. with the deer i mean that's really what it is and it's not like there's not a whole lot of deer there's there's so many deer there's more deer in this country now than when christopher columbus landed in wherever the fuck he landed really yeah there's more deer now than ever before because of um, modern large-scale agriculture yeah. the deer population has exploded oh they're exploded. in my parents backyard all the time oh they're everywhere but you just gotta be careful of deer ticks that's the only problem do you know yeah take a guess how many people get in car accidents with deer every year in the united states 70 well no because you asked that way 230 1.5 million. <laughs> you, were letting, you were letting me get closer to my number that wasn't even close. 1.5 million? 200 deaths every year. Wow. 1.5 million car accidents. Wow. Yeah, there's something like 100,000 every year in Michigan alone. 100,000 car accidents involving deer. From deer. So you're saying there's plenty. So are, There's are, more you, than plenty, dude. Do you, get, do you feel a societal backlash against your love of hunting? Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of people get angry. A lot of people get mad that you kill any animal. Why would you kill a beautiful animal like an elk yeah. or a moose? But then in relation to like what you were saying, it's like, yeah, it's better than to keep one captive and then kill it. Isn't it's this way better? better than that. And some people see it that way. Some like I've don't. talked to some people that respect it, that are vegans, but respect it because they go, I like what you do because you're just not, you're not trying not to buy meat. You're trying to get your meat, mm-hmm. you know, and. There's no guarantee you're going to be successful, and you got to work at it, man. If I get an elk, I'm going to be out most likely. I mean, one time I went on a trip, and I got super lucky, and I shot an elk within the first two hours. <laughs> we were out there at 6.30 in the morning, and by 8.30 in the morning, we had an elk down. And then what do you do? Just go back and walk around well, we and have just, some good times? My hunt was over. We, 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 we cut the animal up. We, um, we carried it out of there. We got it in the back of a truck. We drove it back to this. Didn't even camp. Cold hell. No, no. We, I didn't even. I spent one night at this ranch. Yeah. And then in the morning, uh, we, uh, 
we set up it was just one of those wild days like sometimes elk get fucking crazy when they get super horny and they start fighting and we're hearing them fighting smashing their heads into each other just clash clash like baseball bats banging off each other they're headbutting each other trying to establish dominance these two giant elk huh. and then i saw another one that came like really close to me and one more that came really close to me and this is all like in the first couple hours and then we set up behind a tree and um this guy brian who is my guide made this cow call which is like a female elk like this like this noise that female elks make when they're horny and this male elk came running (laughs) up this hill with a hard on like they're screaming and they might be coming on themselves or pissing on themselves or something but there's all this like dick liquid that's like all over their (laughs) underside they're so horny and and we're talking like a thousand pound animal and it's running up this hill screaming. You ever heard an elk scream? No. You want to hear what it's yeah, like? Yeah, do it. <laughs> yeah, do it. I'll play a video so you can, you can actually hear it. Because I made some videos of when we were hunting. Yeah. Because uh, it was so fucking cool. Because they, when, they, when they do it, it's this really bizarre sound, man. It sounds like a Lord of the Rings animal. You got like, pictures of those uh, abandoned houses? No, I what? don't, man. I don't on this phone. Oh. I do have them at home. Send them to I me later. Phone. Yeah, I Put definitely will. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I must. I have uh, also pictures of Callan taking a shit, and we made a flag with oh. aluminum foil, and we put it in his shit. What do you shit? How do you shit? How do you wipe? You have to shit outside. Yeah. And then you have to wipe, and then once you wipe, you have to bury everything or burn it. Burn the toilet paper. Yeah, burn the toilet paper. Um, In Montana, Montana. And bury your shits? Rules. Yeah, Montana special rules. You have in to Montana, bury your own shit. You have shits? to bring your shit with you. No way. Yeah, you have to you Why? Have a bag because they don't want you shitting out there and polluting the environment. What do you so mean? You How would it pollute shit, it? You literally have to shit into a bag. Hold on a second. Come on, you fuckers. Those are birds. That ain't serious, <laughs> man. How? Okay. You hear that? Uh-huh. That's that, the male that's screaming? A, that's a bull elk calling out for pussy. Please, someone fuck me. He's just dominating his, 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 his like harem of girls. He oh. has a harem of girls. That one particular elk, we didn't shoot him. We tried to get close to him. We never could. But that particular elk had six, seven cows with him. He's just banging them and screaming. And other elks would try to come near his cows. And he'd be like, fuck you. And he'd head them off. It's fascinating <laughs> stuff. So um, the, that one day, which was like a quick one, I was behind this tree, and he makes this cow call, and this elk comes walking up the hill. And when he got inside of 20 yards, I just shot him with an arrow. 8.30 in the morning. 8.30 in the morning. And he had no idea what happened because an arrow doesn't make any noise. So like, like he, all of a sudden, an arrow went through his body. And he walks off. He knows, he knows he doesn't feel good. So he, he walks off like real slow. And then I put another arrow into him. Really? You, you know? lean back again. You're like, you're not going anywhere. Yeah, well, I, I, knew he was, I knew he was dead. Like he's, that was a dead elk. But I wanted to make sure. So when an animal standing in front of you, you shoot it again. Because it was definitely going to die within seconds. Yeah. And then it walked like maybe eight steps and just tipped over. It was the perfect like, death by bow and arrow. Damn. That was like probably the... Most successful day. You find that more really satisfying quick. than bow and arrow? Feels more yeah, like your own hands? It's way harder to do. Yeah. It's way, it takes way more practice. It's way more intense. You've got to be way closer. Because with a bow and arrow, you really can't shoot anything 100 yards away. With a rifle, 100 yards away is easy. With a bow and arrow, you're not really going to shoot anything further than 40, 50 yards at the oh, most. Really? You have to be like a super 
super confident archer to shoot anything more than 60 yards. And you'd have to be really confident that, that thing's not going to be walking. Yeah. Because if you uh, release the arrow and it takes a step, it's going it right might through it. have a step before the arrow gets to it. So there might be a completely different spot where that arrow's going to hit than where you were aiming. So it's not really ethical if the animal's moving. You got to be like really sure. Like oh, the ethics elk, are you want to kill it instant. Instantly. Like if you saw an elk and the elk was feeding and it was 60 yards and you're a badass, like you know, John Dudley Archer, and you saw that, you'd feel super confident. It's a big animal. Yeah. That's, if it's feeding, it's not going anywhere for a couple seconds. And you would draw back and make the shot. But you'd have to be like that kind of level of a guy to do that on a regular basis. Yeah. You have to really know what you're doing. Are you worried about humans at all? No, no. Hitting them? Yeah, no, them being around? No, no, there's no one anywhere near you. And, you, you know, you're not going to you're not going to mistake uh, an animal for a person. First of all, you're going to see something, then you're going to range find it. Yeah. Like if you see an animal, you don't just look at it and go, I got to shoot it now. You range find it. So if the animal's like, you know, 40 yards, whatever, you look through this binocular handheld thing that shoots a laser out to that spot and then comes back and tells so you the exact yardage. Then you have this sight on your bow and you, cal- you move the scale on the sight to whatever the yardage that the, the rangefinder says. So if I see an elk and it's 43 yards, I move my sight to 43 yards, then I draw back. Then I center the pin on the elk and everything has to be perfect or you don't do it. Oh. If you, I mean, if the wind ideally, kicks up or something, people, everybody's made shitty shots, but the wind picks up. You, you, you have to like be real careful. You have to be super confident in your setup. You have to be super confident in how your arrow is going to re- react. You have to know this. You have to have already shot in the wind. Do some know? guys not use the uh, scope and the and the and the laser? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's there's guys that do it. What they call Game of Thrones it. They do compound bows, too, that way. Some guys do. Just Most like, people don't, though. Most people use a scope. Not a scope, but a sight yeah. that has pins on it that are, you know, sometimes they're fixed pins where the, there would be, like, these um, fiber optic, like, dots. One's at 20, one's at 30, one's at 40, one's at 50, one's at 60. Yeah. And so they would figure out where the animal is, and they have a pin for that, and they would look through their scope, or look through their sight, rather, at that pin. And then some of them have uh, one that moves, so you could calculate it down to the to the very yard or even to the very foot whoa yeah it's pretty intense cool it's very tech oriented it seems fun though yeah oh it's super fun archery in itself if you never shoot anything it's yeah. super fun yeah and, and, and those targets yeah yeah like yeah, they shoot. have that camp but that's about it yeah but these targets are like come by my house um next time you're around and um i'll show you i'll shoot some shit from like 70 yards i'll show you what it's like to see like we'll look at it through binoculars oh, real? see me hitting like this big rubber elk at 70 yards because i practice just drilling it in the heart at really 70 yards yeah, yeah, yeah i do it you all have a time. dummy elk out there a giant one. Oh, yeah. so why shoot it at a, at a target instead of an actual yeah, i want to shoot it, it like. i want to shoot at something that looks exactly yeah. like what i'm trying to kill it's a mind fuck dude it's a giant mind fuck like it's really hard to do and the, the, the whole thing becomes about being sharp enough, being skilled enough, making sure you have all your ducks in a row as far as like you've taken your time. on the, You have to put your time in sh- practicing. You have to practice almost every day, especially when it gets close to yeah. a hunt. Yeah, 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 especially archery. You got to be in this zone. Almost every day. You have to know that when you release that arrow, that arrow is going exactly where you point it to. And the only way to do that is reps. You gotta do, but you have to do the proper technique and reps you got to release the arrow the correct way. It has to be a surprise shot, or should be at least. 
Some guys can get away without doing it in a surprise way. But the way to do it is you're supposed to be pulling on the shot, blank, and it breaks, and you don't even know when it's going to break. So you can never anticipate it. And so your, your main focus is just on technique, form, and making sure that arrow releases properly. It's a giant mind fuck. It just comes out of your hand eventually just like it's out of your hand? Yep. It just a, you, you have a release that sits in your hand, and I have a, like a trigger that sits on my thumb, and the release clips to the string. And as I pull back, I lock it in place, and then I put my finger where the, the, the trigger is, and then from there I just pull back. So I'm not executing it with my thumb. I'm using like my back muscles to pull, and it creates tension on the trigger, and then it goes off surprise. So that way there's no anticipation. So this whole thing is involved in this gigantic mindfuck of staying calm while you're about to end an animal's life with a flying stick. Super intense. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I have to do everything I can to not keep from getting fully, completely obsessed with it to the point where I ignore other shit in my life. Really? Like, for real, yeah. If the UFC called, like, there was this rumor that the UFC was firing me and they're going to hire Mario Lopez. It wasn't real. It was just a fake story. But if it was true, you yeah. know what I would do? I'd go, looks like I'm scheduling some bow hunting trips. Really? That's the first thing I would think of is now nah, I could do a lot of trips. How I many wanna, do you do a year? How many do you want to do a year? Last year I did. This this past year I did at least five. Wow. Yeah. One one, two, three, four, four. I did four this last year. And you can't go in the winter. Why do I think I did five? Do you ever want to go yeah, to South America or something like you can that? Go in the and, like, winter. Chase? You can go to Texas in the winter. Oh. You can go to uh Mexico. Mexico's a good spot. A lot of guys go down there in December and January and they go deer hunting. There's really? a lot of deer down there. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of places you can go, and the guys who get really, really into it, um, they travel all over the country and just find like where the places are that you apply for tags, and then they start applying for tag. Tags are like, there's certain places where they have Licenses. limited tags, where wow. you can only, like the, the population is sustainable and very healthy, but the way they deem it, they say, well, we can only shoot 100 deer this year. And the likelihood of success is usually like, Somewhere around ten to twenty percent. So they'll if, if they can only shoot a hundred deer, they'll give out only a thousand tags. So there might be you know a million people. And that way they can like keep the population about what they want it. Exactly. So if it's a really good place to hunt, there might be you know who knows how many thousands of people that want to sign up and go there, but only one you know one out of a hundred or something gets okay. to go. Oh, so they just go tag 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 hunting, mm-hmm. and then if they get one, like cool, we're hunting there. And then there's other places where you can get a tag automatically. There's other like regions of the country where you could get a tag. Like all you have to do is just plentiful. pay for it. You just have to go there and fill out. After you kill it and it drops, you have to go over there and slice its throat or anything. No, be careful, it's not going to buck no, up and stab you. You know, with you let it die. You yeah. know, usually they they just lay down and they die. Uh, it usually happens pretty quick if you did it right. Yeah. And then once they're dead. Then you have to uh, clean them. You have to uh, gut them. And How do you know when they're dead? You'll just know. It'll be just laying there. You poke it with your rifle or you poke it with your bow. It doesn't do anything. And just you could tell it's dead. It's yeah. intense, man. And I can see the people. I could see where people would not want to ever be involved in it once they saw life actually leave. It's an violent, itself. right? It is very violent. But if That's you're rough. rational, if you have a, a really balanced perspective, you have to understand that this is a natural part of this animal's existence. Is It's, it's a constantly engaged in this cycle of life. And if, if it's not you killing it, that thing's not going to live forever. It's going to get taken out by mountain lions or coyotes. It's, not, it's, live, it's living in a zero-success game. 
that game is try to stay alive forever. Yeah. You're never going to stay alive forever. None of them die of old age. None of them do? No, they freeze to death. They wind up freezing to death. That's what happens when they get old. They uh-huh. wind up having no food. And so they freeze to death. Like maybe they grind their teeth down too much and they can't eat good anymore. Or maybe they get injured. Like something tried to kill them and it couldn't. And they had gotten away from a mountain lion or something like that, but they're crippled. And then, you know, a bunch of things can happen to a deer. And freezing to death is a super common one. Yeah. I love going walking and coming across some carcass or something. It's weird. Some just skeletons. We took some mushrooms there on, in Banff. Just like, I guess here's a good spot. Just some fucking remnants of, of an animal. Creepiest ones I've ever saw ever. It's it's been uh, circulated online is this deer fell in between two rocks and you see just the skeleton of the deer was trapped up in between two rocks oh. it slid and got stuck and just died there just got and stuck wasted away and just wasted away wow cool it was fucking creepy man creep because it was only bones but it was still stuck with and you could see its skull and its antlers just stuck in between Damn. these two rocks like fuck what a way to go yeah probably takes a long ass time too <laughs> yeah just to starve to death and then oh just be done oh my god man fuck that but it connects you to like your own vulnerability too it connects you to a, an understanding of life and that life is this weird thing like life is out there eating life you know and I could again like I goof around about vegans but I could totally understand you not wanting to be a part of death and totally thinking that people should have like a higher function in life but yeah, man, I don't want to go out and I don't have to do that. I'd rather yeah. someone just do that for work for me. Yeah, I can understand that too. I but it is understand. nice to like cook food instead of like buying cooked food. You know, like cooking it yourself feels like oh, you're yeah. a part of it, and like every step towards more, being more part of it. Like Duncan said about like your food, you have a story behind it. Oh yeah, it's kind of cool. We're like this one we tracked for two days. One day we thought we lost it or whatever, and it's intense, man. It's really intense. It's intense in a different way. It's intense in a different way um, that I, I don't think I've ever. Uh, I, I don't think I've ever felt anything where I didn't expect it so much. Like the hunting thing was so intense, I was like, "Wow! Like this is some crazy ancient DNA that this taps hmm. into." When you, all of a sudden you're, you've killed an animal, it's very shocking and it's very weird, and there's a sense of loss. And but it's also like very caveman-y. Like your, your body just like goes, "Yeah, we did it. We got one." Like there's this like intense feeling of uh, a familiarity, you know. Oh. Like you know, I think that's the same thing when you catch a fish. There's this intense excitement when you catch a fish. I did it! I did it! I got one! Here it is! Here it is! I mean, when we went salmon fishing in Alaska, we caught all those big ass salmon. Yeah. Dude, every time we hooked one, it's like holy shit! Look at this thing! Yeah, your heart starts beating. Like, go, oh, go, you go! See it when it's close to the boat. Look at it! Yeah, it's like there's something. Yeah, you can when you see it. it in the water, you just start seeing yeah. it. Like there it is, there it is. It's flashing, you see the flashes of its body. Yeah, there's something about fishing and then, and then hunting even more extreme, where your body is like excited about your success in this endeavor. Wow, compare it to being in Boston and getting into a fight. <laughs> <laughs> the same with those guidos. Like, oh, who's, who's coming? Who's coming? I wish Let's I try could to fight. Go back and help those kids. Yeah. Just, you do not have to live like this, beating each other up every weekend. God damn it. We didn't really talk too much about the hunting, did we? We did a little bit. I guess. Yeah, we talked plenty about it. I'm so high. Oh, yeah. We talked oh, a lot yeah. about it. I'm so baked. Oh, I yeah, just know sure. I got to go to the yeah, we gotta go. Gotta go to the uh, store. Oh, your new special is on Netflix now, yes, Triggered. it's on Triggered. Yeah, Real inspiration, man, that you're 27 eight years into comedy, something yeah. like that, and you put out your, like, your best work. 
It's yeah, coming I think now. It's the best one. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's usually a long on the already downturn way. For it to be hit on that high level now is like a what's somebody doing right? Yeah, you know what it is, man. It's like people get they just get tired and lazy, and they just decide that they already did it, and then they get depressed. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, man. I just don't think. I don't think everybody does that. I mean, if you look at like Burr, his best stuff is now, and Louis, his best stuff is now. I think there's a lot of Chappelle is fucking amazing now. I think there's a lot of guys that are better now than ever. Yeah, you know, it's just we're used to like that. There was hopping off. It's like after yeah. 15, 20 years, and then you start to do shitty. Guys like, just repeat. get. They, well, this is all before the internet too, and I think a, a big part of what's going on is like what you do a lot now. What I do is you throw everything away every two yeah. years. Yeah. You have to. You gotta toss out whatever that set you were working on. Toss it out. Try to piece together some new one. Yeah, and I'm three weeks. I haven't done a single bit from the old stuff. Crazy. I'm like not one, not even a minute. I'm it's like, oh, yeah, it's great. It's crazy. Yeah, but that keeps you that keeps you growing and developing. I better go. Do yeah. It. Okay. Okay. Thank you, Joe Rogan. Thank you, Ari Shapiro. Right, go to Twitter, Joe Rogan. I'll do all this stuff later. Bye. <laughs> There you go, everybody. That's the episode. 287 in the books. Um, ooh, sauteed onions are almost done. Then it's a quick fry of that fucking salmon. You guys, I don't know how to do a lot good, cooking-wise. I mean, for the longest time, all I knew how to make was, was pasta. But always, always, what I always knew how to make was a decent stir-fry, which is the base of decent omelets, but the base of that decent stir-fry is sautéed onions. I'm good at sautéed onions. I mean, really good. It takes care. You really gotta care. I like the white onions, the sweet ones. Uh, I never really know what to do until I go to the uh, grocery store, then I just pick random ones. But uh, I did buy the white ones this time, and I realized those are the ones to get. So you get the white ones, super low. So you cut them up. You don't even have to separate them. You cut them up, you know, not diced, but like long ways. Like you chop the thing, you take out the core, you know, or the top of the core, and then you chop it in half, and then you just like, I don't know how to fucking tell you how to cut it, but you cut it. Um, and then you don't even separate them. You don't even take them apart. You just leave it in the pan. Cover it with a little oil. And by little, I mean like moderate amount, not a little. Um, and then you turn the oven on, the stove on low. You're just low. I mean low. As low as it can go. And you just sit on it for like a while. If you got a top, put a top on it. Uh, otherwise, don't. <laughs> and then you wait, you wait, you wait. And let it get brown. Let it naturally get brown. Stir it every like... You know, three, four, five minutes. Um, mix it up. When it starts to get brown on its own, that's when you add salt and pepper. You add nothing else until then. Ooh, God, these are looking so fucking good. Ari, you're a master. That's when you add salt and pepper. So you add that salt and pepper. Um, ooh, la la. Gets a little browner, right? Then keep mixing. Now, if you want, right at the end, until it's all, like, browned. Now, if you want, right at the end, turn it up to high. Do it on high for about a minute or two. Mixing, you know, that'll get it like real caramelized. 
And then you just do whatever you want on it. You make it as a base of your stir fry. You make it as the fucking topping for your salmon. Yeah, I'm good at sautéed onions. I'm real good at sautéed onions. Uh, that's the episode, everybody. Thank you very much for Joe Rogan for uh, for joining me. Um, and all right, I'm going to say this now. I'm going to say this now because I'm because I'm doing it, and it, it fits. Joe was always a patron of mine. He was a champion of mine, but more importantly, he was a patron of mine. So what I'm going to say here. Champion is someone, obviously, who, who, to, who would always tell people, oh, Ari's really funny. Oh, you got to book Ari. He's really funny. And that did a lot for me. Confidence-wise, it did a lot for me. But when he took me on the road, he, not only did he pay me, he flew me out, put me up in a room, the same one he was staying in, not the shitty one the fucking club would have liked to pay, put me in. Maybe that's why the clubs never booked me later, because they're like, you cost too much, man. You're a fucking opener, and you cost that much. And he paid us better than everybody else paid. Me and Diaz. And he only brought me because Diaz wouldn't show up. He brought me because Diaz couldn't be trusted. This is in the Coke days for, you know, Diaz sometimes just wouldn't show. And he only wanted to do a two-man show, Rogan. But then he was like, I, I don't know if it will be a two-man show if Diaz isn't at the airport. So he brings a third person just in case. Um, <laughs> yeah, I was a just-in-case guy. And, and to his credit, too, he could have just done a two-man show with just me. But he was like, no, I want Diaz there too. So it was a two and a half man show. If Diaz showed, three man show. If he didn't, two man show. He paid us better. Then one day he just gave us a raise. Gave us a hundred bucks, fucking a hundred bucks a show raise at clubs. Un, not asked for, on his own, hundred bucks. I could leave a, a place even before the raise with almost a thousand dollars. Yeah, about that. Nah, nah, but after the race, for sure, over a thousand. Yeah, over a thousand. And I mean, I wouldn't have to spend any of my own money just getting to the airport and checking my bag. That was it. That was it. And me and Redbane used to split cars and stuff. That was it. I mean, I didn't touch my wallet. And he bought us steaks. I, I mean, I opened for him, what, a hundred times maybe over a five year period? Probably more. We went to Subway one time ever. We went to McDonald's twice ever. Once at the airport when it was all that was open, and once uh, at morning radio somewhere in the south where it was like Chick Fil A was closed. It was a Sunday. No, that's not that makes sense. Uh, we didn't do morning radio on a Sunday. Whatever it was, we tried the new McGriddle and it was pretty good. But I won't eat that garbage now. No fucking way. Um, that's when you know I've sold out. Is when I'm doing a McDonald's commercial. Anyway, he'd always pay me, and not to mention on top of that. I mean, you guys, when you're poor like that to get some food, some legit food, you know what we used to do? We used to wait for Rogan because you're uncomfortable. Like, I've never ordered a steak. I live off spaghetti. I don't order a steak. But then you get used to it, but you still don't want to take advantage. So you wait for, like, the, like, the waitress comes over, like, do you guys know what you want? And a fucking nice steakhouse. And I'm, I would always be like, oh, I'm not sure. And then we wait for Rogan to order. If Rogan ordered an appetizer, we're getting appetizers. But then looking back, he didn't give a fuck if we ordered appetizers or not. He was like, get whatever the fuck you want. I really don't care. And we ate like kings. And then go back to our real life, eating like fucking peasants. So that's what I'm talking about here. One time he bought me, uh, I, didn't have, uh, I didn't have Word. And uh, Word Perfect, whichever one is right. Um, and so I used his disc and put it on my computer. But then we were on the same Wi-Fi at the hotel. It would shut him off. He goes, dude, dude, I need to use my thing. Can you get off there? I'm like, oh, sorry. 
And then we're at the mall the next day, and he just bought me a new program. He goes, yeah, you shouldn't be without a, a word processing program. He just bought it for me, a few hundred bucks. When I was going through my darkest depression, my real want to kill myself days, and none of the fucking therapists that I went to from with SAG uh, insurance would, would help. One of them was like, pretty much just told me like, I'm done trying, I don't know what else to tell you, nothing's gonna work. And Rogan's like, no, 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 you need a better guy. And I couldn't afford a better guy, and he goes, I'll just pay for it. Saved my life. This guy fixed it, we found the right pills, fixed it, stopped wanting to commit suicide. Now I'm not even on the pills anymore. Um, maybe that's why I'm such an insufferable cunt. No, I'm pretty good. Um, so that's what I want to talk about. These patrons. These patrons of comedy. So you have that. You have the bigger guys who buy meals for people. But here's what I really want to say. There's this other level. There's these poor comics. And we're not really getting by. I still say we, even though I'm not that anymore. But we're not really... That's who I associate with. I was that for the longest time. We're not really getting by, you guys. And the occasional help from these comedy patrons, this might be some of you, and I don't mean like, hey, here's money. I mean like, hey, here's my DirecTV password. Here's my Netflix password. My friend Dean, his buddy, he is a patron who fucking gets some freaking, he works for the airlines. Gets some, get some free or standby, standby tickets on every flight he wants. Things like that go from not being able to do gigs, not being able to make ends meet, to making ends meet, to making our lives easier. Me and Yusuf had a guy take us to a baseball game once. We were in San Francisco doing shows. Some guy's like, we'll take you to a giant game. We're like, fuck yeah, man. It was great. It was great. So much fun. These comedy patrons, they make it go by. Oh, obviously. I mean, the most obvious one, drugs on the road, weed. And it's like, why don't you just buy weed? Because I couldn't afford it, you guys. I mean, I could go to the bartender or some low who sells weed here, but it's like, it wasn't going to happen. I, can't, I couldn't afford 80 bucks, 50 bucks, whatever it is, in whatever town it is, even 30 or 40. It's like, no way, I couldn't afford it. And these patrons come by with these heavy handshakes, and they go, here, enjoy fucking Kansas City. Here's Kansas City's finest. You know, it's still going to be a five out of 10, but... But at least it gets you there. These patrons make it so you can actually fucking live as a human. The guys who do my uh, 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 Photoshop for the, the, the episodes, you know, and now I'm paying 15 bucks for those because I can afford it. Some guy that brought, brought drugs, I don't want to say who, brought drugs to, to Bonnaroo, but you know who you are. So one year he brought drugs and it was like, it was like hey, here. And the next year he was like, man, you can't afford this at full price. I was like, how much selling was. You can't afford this at full price. You have a TV show. I'm like, no, dude, I can afford it at full price now. So let me pay you full price. But what you've done is you've smuggled in drugs so all the comedians can, can fucking do mushrooms. I'll pay you full price. The way you would patronize the arts is by making sure we got it. That Louis Gomez going to an airport and asking for, God, he's an idiot, asking for fucking Gomites to help him out with a ride from the airport in whatever town. That, otherwise, it's not a profitable gig and you can't do it. So before the end of the year comes, I just want to say thank you. And by the way, the guys who have given nugs to the door guys at the comedy store, that's still going strong. They still get weed. They love that. I was just back there. They love that. I guarantee you they'll get you a good seat if you give them a nug. And even if you don't want a specially good seat or whatever, it'll make their day. 
So to all the patrons of stand-up, and I mean those little things, just those little things. The no skin off your back, no like, hey, I need something back from you. I mean, the, the, the clearest example is a fucking, you know, ATTUverse password. So they can fucking watch something or get a Netflix password so they can watch a show they wouldn't have been able to watch otherwise. Things like that. No skin off, off their backs, the people who are giving it, but it makes a world of difference to these comedians, these fucking mid-level and low-level comedians. It keeps us in the game. So to all those people, thank you. You have made a difference. And if you're not one of those people, no big deal. Don't feel bad about it. This, I'm talking about the people who went above and beyond, who went out of their way to try to help comics. You really have made a difference. Thank you. All right, you guys. So that's it. Um, Ari Shapiro's skeptic today. All right, for Joe Rogan. Wait. Ladies and gentlemen, that's been Ari Shapiro's skeptic Tank, episode 287. Big Buck Hunter. For Joe Rogan, I'm Ari Shapiro saying so long. Oh, I'm a master at this now. You get a wiggly worm and then you watch him squirm while you put him on a hook and then you drop him in the brook and if everything's gonna turn out right, you're gonna fry fish tonight, country boy. You're lucky free, country boy. I wish I was you and you was me. To do country boy in the morning dew. You gotta cut the weeds, you got to plant the seeds. There's many a row, you know you gotta hold. But when it's quitting time and your work is through, there's a lot of life in you, country boy. You gotta shag it all, country boy. Up a holler log. Well, he comes in a run when you pick up your gun and with a shell or two and your dog at you when you get your rabbit, he'll skin his hide. He's gonna be good fried country boy. You gotta learn to lose. Country boy, I wish I was in your shoes.